You're listening to In the Open, a Mental Health America podcast, a space where we explore mental health and navigate the challenges of life through honest and candid conversation. Hi, everybody. It's Teresa and America. Hi, everyone. Another episode of In the Open. Today, we're going to talk about healthy relationships after trauma. It does not feel like you can do justice to this topic in one 20-minute session. No, but, you know, we've talked a little bit about relationships, boundary building, all that in previous episodes. I think this one is important to focus on when you're really coming out of something where you're understanding that trauma is tied to how you're functioning. I think that is a little different. Okay. You know, in some of our uh, most recent episodes, we've talked about the need to kind of understand where your trauma is coming from, where it lives in your person and how it's showing up. So part of that conversation led us to the idea that sometimes we don't even know what's happening until it's in comparison to somebody else. It's visible by somebody, you know, visible to somebody else. And then it's like pointed out like, oh, wow. I reacted that way. I I didn't. I didn't know that, you know. Yeah. So that thought process that goes in my head is generally like, why the hell did you do that? And now I'm like, okay, if you, if I already know I'm reacting in X way, what am I doing that then impacts all of these aspects of relationships? And then I start breaking things down. I'm like, whoa, that's shown up before. Oh, yeah, then that showed up there, you know? So now I have a little bit more um, insight that helps me. In times of my life when I was struggling and you're you're in a relationship for the first time, so a lot of big feelings come up, mm. especially after the, you know, like the honeymoon phase goes away and you start to enter into conflict. And, and then I, I felt like when I was avoidant of my history, relationships always were okay, mm. but that's because I wasn't bringing my full self. Right, right. I was like ignoring it yeah. and like making a lot of excuses for a relationship. And a lot of people think, oh, well, the absence of conflict must mean that the relationship is good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But at least in my case, it wasn't necessarily a healthy relationship because it wasn't equitable. It wasn't real. And then when conflict comes up, that's when you really start to p- see how how people respond to conflict tells you a lot about their past experiences. <laughs> totally. You know, like a hundred percent. And it's still like every day is a revelation for me. Like mm-hmm. one of the recent revelations I realize I make is I make a lot of excuses for people who have addictions in my family. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I lived with addiction for such a long time in this way where we never confronted it from a treatment perspective. So we're just like, oh, everybody has alcohol problems. Everybody has addiction problems, you know. And I was just like, oh, wow. I just make a lot of excuses for why that's probably okay. And it's because that's normal, like in our family. Yeah, it's been normalized. That's not healthy, (laughs) you know, where I don't – I didn't catch it, you know, whereas other things I've – like anger, anger in relationship, I'm very sensitive to because it was like maybe it was the easiest of all the traumatic experiences I experienced where I was just like, I don't want that in my life. You know, so I was like, no, no room for no room for me for that boundary being passed in a relationship was easy. But then all the other layers, it's just like, 
What I really find not- interesting about what you're talking about is at, at some point in your life, and I've done it too, right, where things were hidden away. All all the bad, ugly stuff. I'm not it's not bad, it's ugly stuff that we think is ugly. We hide away, and so everything looks perfect, right? And yeah. in a relationship, I've had this conversation with other people that are in, in an intimate relationship, like with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and they're like, Oh, we never fight. <laughs> and I'm like, Okay, that's great, but I I've been there. I know that I never fought because I wasn't willing to actually say what I thought. And then when I got to a place that I was like, forget that. I'm going to say what I need to say. There was conflict. Yeah. I I have heard people in my circle say that too. Not, not very many, but when they do, I'm always surprised. I'm like, why that's something else to feel the need to project this idea that one would never fight. Mm is its own kind of reaction yeah. to an expectation that's born from something. And you're like, why does that need to be the portrayal for you of what a relationship or a healthy relationship looks like? Because that's not reality and that doesn't sound like – it doesn't sound like you are you can be genuine or yeah. feel safe to say we have conflict and it's healthy. Like it, it is healthy to have certain kinds of conflict because that's what it looks like to heal and work through hard times with a person, you know? That's a that's a very good point, Teresa, because when we when we think of conflict, and most often it's seen as a negative, right? Like, oh, we fight mm-hmm. all the time. That's generally how it's like. But <laughs> there is that other you when you flip the coin, there is healthy conflict in that. You know, if you're working with couple therapists, a lot of folks that that do this, it's important to be able to address the conflict that you have in a healthy manner so that you walk away and your person walks away yeah. feeling heard, validated. You don't have to have a solution, but there is an aspect of respect instead of just all out war. Yeah. So that's a very different take. And on the other side of that, moving away from like an intimate relationship, this type of conflict also exists in the relationships that we have with family and friends when we are, again, put into a position where we have to either make a choice. We can say something. It's like, yo, you know what you did? I didn't really like. We should talk about it, whatever, instead of completely ignoring it, which continues to then bombard us with like not good feelings. When I when we went to couples therapy, there were a couple things I'll always remember. We spent a long time talking about the way our childhood experiences, mm-hmm. which is an attachment theory-based therapy, which I recommend for anybody who's interested in couples therapy. This is my my personal bias towards this. It was really helpful as someone who had come from trauma and then my husband who didn't think that he had, but does like it's not trauma if you don't like that word it's like what is your childhood experience and how do they shape the way that you see the world and the way that you see yourself as a husband or parent but the other part that was so important was that we learned like as human beings we are great at destroying our relationship right we're very good at fighting what we're not good at is repair how do you repair what you're saying is so that is what you're saying you're saying We don't know what it looks like to apologize well, to turn back towards each other, Mm -hmm. to say, hey, 
we're feeling angry, let's step away, but it doesn't mean I'm rejecting you. Give me five minutes, give me 10, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not what it sounds like. We're just like, I need space. <laughs> it sounds like what we tell our five-year-olds, you know? But then you have to come back. And like, when someone comes back, oh man, like my hardest thing was not being defensive. Like, if he came to say sorry, we had to learn not how to bite back. You know, yes. you, you, you just say mean things when someone is trying to turn towards the other. And one thing I realized is like, I never had models of what it looked like to fix a relationship because my parents always fought mm. away from us. Oh, interesting. Okay. Or it was always like, and when they fought in front of us, it was always the, the fighting side, not the, not the apology side. side. Yeah. 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 I think that that's, That idea that you're bringing up, though, is something so important because it has a ripple effect, right? Where if you haven't seen that in a a relationship like your parents, then you also take that in and and how you navigate like conflict with your siblings, with friends, with work colleagues, you know, all of that then is embedded with all of this learned behavior. And it's really hard because I think... Part of the issue is that we don't know, one, how to accept the feelings that we may be having, which can be very big feelings, and Mm -hmm. navigating through those feelings to be able to get to a place of finally saying, okay, this thing, this X thing, this is the thing that I need to address here. So based on your life and the experiences you had working through how to have a healthy relationship, what are some of the biggest lessons that that you carry about yourself personally? For me, it's been don't swallow your words. Like you have to say what you feel. Okay. Because other than that, all hell breaks loose in, within me. It has impacts. I'm surprised you're a swallower. Uh, sometimes I am because I, you know, it's, a, it's like a double-edged sword, babe. I've heard this all my life. Like you, you can really say things that are really hurtful. Mm. <laughs> so I'm... I've learned how to use my words, I think, more effectively. Okay. But within that is also the fact that before I didn't know that. I just I would just be like, okay, I'm not going to say anything. And then inevitably it would come up again in some way. So that's what I mean. Okay. Yeah. So it's interesting. We're talking about degrees of avoidance and confrontation. Because I think that is – I would agree. Like when I think about – big lessons that I've had to, it's always about negotiating when to speak up Mm -hmm. or when not to speak up or how long to hold resentment in your body before it explodes is what you're saying, right? Totally. Because you swallow it, you swallow it, swallow it, then explodes. Same here. Yeah. Like, it's funny because you're not, you're, you're generally, I feel like a more, you're more comfortable with confrontation. Mm -hmm. And I've had to tell myself the same thing. Like, it was very surprising to me to meet somebody and be in relationship with somebody who was able to articulate their feelings so freely. Yeah. <laughs> and for a while, I was like, you're so selfish. You just say whatever you want and I just I have to respond to it. But that was because I would chew on my feelings and thoughts for months. And he would be and he would say, Well, you're cold. Like I never know what's going on in your head. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. An interesting thing that happened just uh, maybe a week ago, situation where there's some sort of misunderstanding and I was treated unfairly in my belief. And, you know, (laughs) I was waiting like because 
I, because I also accept what you're saying, right? We have to make sure that the other person is prepared to have this conversation. I gave it some time because I always want to jump right in and be like, well, you should have, you know, fine. I just let it sit. I let it sit. I was like, let this marinate. And then no, nothing, you know, like no apology, no point of conversation about this situation that happened. I was like, mm -hmm. okay, so because I know myself and I, I, I can easily stew and bubble up, yeah. right? I said, you know, that situation that occurred, it was um, incorrect for you to speak to me in that way. You need to yeah. apologize. And they were like, bah, 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 but not. And then, of course, defensiveness, right? And I was like, no, all of that you said is fine. <gasps> Doesn't matter other than the fact that from the starting point, you need to recognize that the way you spoke to me was incorrect. Once you do that, yeah. we can have a conversation. And previously, I wouldn't have done that. I know seven years ago, wouldn't have done that. What would you have done seven years ago? I would have just been like, you know what? Beep, beep, beep. Oh, you would have told them off? <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, like, get get out of Yeah. And I would have just been like, forget this. There's growth I don't, there. I, I, I wish I could tell someone off. <laughs> My husband would say sometimes I do. And I think it's still hard for me in the scheme of conflict awareness and insight in myself. Like, I don't know what makes me triggered when I just go off. Mm. I think there's something about when the fight, when I'm not well and I'm stressed out, I'm not sleeping well, you know, like maybe I'm having an episode and he says something that makes me feel trapped. Mm -hmm. Like, or he says, if he starts to put words in my mouth, like he says, you said you're doing this, you're doing that. I hate I that. Hate that yeah. I will go off. But then there are a lot of things where there are other times. It's not even just things. Sometimes it's just like the way my brain is working where I will just not say anything for weeks and I will just replay <laughs> building up a case against someone in my head, you know, for why they're the worst person in the whole world or something stupid like that. So what happens I, like, with that? Play, play victim, play martyr. For weeks that it's living. Sometimes I, I let it go. And then I'm like, did you even know that it was so mad? In my head, you know, like, I'm so mad. And they're they're like, oh, it's fine. And I'm like, and I, I realize like, that's not a healthy thing either, right? Why am I being so avoidant? But what do you do with that? If you're living with that for weeks? I'm sure that contributed to depression. <laughs> what did I do? Okay. I freaking became depressed. Okay. <laughs> That's probably me when I'm depressed. That's probably what the conflict looks like when mm -hmm. I'm at my worst. And that's why those negative thoughts stew in a way that perpetuates, you know, victimhood in my head. <laughs> and it's exactly like my mom. I'm like, when I'm at my worst, I turn into my parents. That's really frightening. That's interesting, babe. You've, you've gone full circle. Uh, did I? Yeah, you did. Because you, you said, you know, like you didn't. You didn't have a good role model of how to address conflict. And then you turn into your parents. We are the people we observed our whole lives when we're at our worst. Totally. And I'm also like at my best, some of my mom's best traits, my dad's best traits, you know. Yeah. But the things that stick out for me in, in my experience are these aspects of being able to voice whatever feelings come up. The other, and, and I've talked about this before, is setting setting better boundaries. 
Yeah. That comes with time and, and being able to use your voice in a way that's like completely tied to respecting what you know is good for you. We want to, I want to give a shout out to um, Ben who wrote us recently who asked, um, I'm going to just read it. In one of the episodes that triggered an idea was the ghosting episode. I recently dealt with an issue that was similar to this. However, the situation relationship was severed because of my own actions. So I wondered if there was a topic when my issues alienated people through my actions and when I wasn't able to properly cope with my own insecurities and issues that led to someone saying, I can't deal with this anymore. And then they leave. So is, is repair of that relationship possible? I think repair is possible because when you recognize you've, you've wronged someone in some way and tie it back to my inability to process X thing that's come up and it's showing up all the time, then I have an opportunity to go back and say, you know, I've looked at all these things. I didn't realize that they were coming out in this way. Yeah. But that breaking point for our relationship helped me help me see that. And I think that's that's a lesson that we all have to learn where we don't always know how we're hurting others until we're just like left in the lurch and like, damn, I'm by myself. Left alone. Yeah. I agree. It it can repair. It does take us having the courage and the insight to apologize. <laughs> mm-hmm. And to show genuine change. But I've also had relationships where it was sometimes hard because even if I had insight or I wanted to repair, maybe the other person didn't want right. to. And never and never was going to want to again. And I understand that too. And, and you kind of have to figure out like, do I take that personally? Or is that something about them as much as it's about me? And and then you're grieving the relationship because it is just over and it may not ever go back to what it was or could be. I agree with you. I, I totally agree with you. The one thing I would add to that is if I were to seek out repair, for instance, with you and mm-hmm. you say to me, yeah, all right, well, you came, thanks, whatever. And it's not the response that, oh, things are going to get better and we're going to have another, you know, another relationship. I've done enough on my part to recognize that I hurt somebody. And with that, that's adding like stars for me because that's a lot of work for me to be able to see how my behavior has influenced this situation. So I would feel, you know, despite the grief and hurt that you may feel at the loss of the relationship, I think you come out stronger knowing I can learn from this so it doesn't happen again in the future. Some people hold on to the expectation that the relationship has to be repaired for you to move on though. Yeah. And that is hard, right? Because in a relationship, there are two choices, like your choices and the other people's choices mm-hmm. and their boundaries. They may not always do what you want them totally. to do Yeah, as a part of relationship or as a part of whatever it is that people do. Or if the relationship, if the person is willing the other thing I find is you can't expect that things will be repaired easily. Yeah. 
oh, God, I hate yeah. that voice in your head where you're like, I already apologized. Why aren't you feeling better? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I already I already said I'm sorry for this. Like, why are you bringing it up? Well, that person is still hurt then. Mm-hmm. And you have to live with the consequences of the way that your decisions made them feel hurt and feel scared. And sometimes we want them to feel better very fast. And yes. that runs up to that, – that causes additional conflict. And are you able to sit with – the consequences of what you did and not expect them to just feel better all of a sudden, right? Yeah. Because that's about you. Like you want them to feel better because you feel shame or guilt about what you did, Mm -hmm. but you should feel shame and guilt. I should feel shame and guilt about things I did. It's okay. It was hard. It was bad. Yeah. Accept it. I think repair looks different um, for each person. I think part of the, the activity that has to occur in your brain is to recognize what would repair look like for you? And within that same vein and, and similar to what you're saying, what does repair look like on the other side? They Maybe they don't want it. How, how are you going to process that? Maybe they do want it, but they're like, yeah, that's all nice and great, but I'm not going to go back to whatever it was. But maybe there is an opportunity for us to reconnect again in six months. You have to give space the same way that you would hope that somebody gives you space and grace. I was to- just going to ask you that about, you know, we just recorded about learning to love yourself, which I think is foundational to creating a healthy relationship. But the idea that you can't be in a relationship with somebody if you don't love yourself is so full of meaning. It's about the boundaries you just described about knowing what's healthy and what's right for you. But I also find that it's about confidence and speaking up and not and being able to not be reactive and defensive right away because you know like so much of conflict in the worst way, fighting and reacting is about feeling scared and insecure. And like, I'm not good enough. And like, this is why you're saying what you say is because you're you're saying that I'm a bad ex, just fill in the blank, you know, yeah. like whatever it is, you know, and like, <laughs> therefore you don't love me. And like, oh, all that happens in 10 seconds. Oh, you know, the, the idea of that is so, it's perfect, right? That, that personification of what it could look like. But I also know that in the moments of my inability to think, very carefully and with a lot of thought around controlling my emotions. And I want to have empathy, right? And if I'm arguing with you or whatever, and I want to be like, she's coming from this place because X thing, right? Like, (laughs) dude, that that would be fabulous if I could take a moment and be like, okay, stop. In my best moments, I can. and And I'm able to say, I'm not, I'm not coming at you to attack this no, not at all. But in my yeah. worst moments, that step is skipped. And I, oh, you know, man. you just jump. And everybody's jumping. Yes. In, in bad conflict resolution and unhealthy relationships after COVID, you're like, everybody's jumping 10 <laughs> steps. And it's always, it's always the steps of compassion that we skip. Mm-hmm. You're right. Mm-hmm. It's just quick to forget to stop and reflect and have empathy. Yeah. I think that's what the time away is, is to take a breath and say, I'm not seven years old. <laughs> Grow up. Yeah. What is the other person thinking? You chose to be in this relationship. What do they need right now? What do I need right now? How do I communicate that? Yeah. Where are they coming from? It's so hard. It is It is really hard. Um, even um, 
I'm going to call them lower level relationships, okay? Because I'm thinking like a high level one is like an intimate one you have with a partner or something. But like a lower level relationship, maybe like with a work colleague that, you know, you see every day or you're interacting with every day. And, and that's another space where you have to learn how to navigate creating this re healthy relationships. Because in the same way that you may be reactive to your partner saying X thing, your colleague or your supervisor saying, Hey, you know, I didn't really like how that turned out. Be like, Oh my God, ah, you know, complete defensiveness. So it comes totally. up in so many different ways. In all ways. Yes. Every way of your life. You cannot uncouple yourself from your past. You bring that person to the table. Do you find that with certain people, and this is always between, I find, daughters and mothers, but can your mom push your buttons or your dad push your buttons in a way that nobody else can? Yes. It's amazing to watch. Even my What even is my it siblings. about parents, you know? My siblings. Yeah, siblings. Well, I only have one brother. He knows how to say the exact thing. The and thing. Like, ah, yeah. thanks. Yeah. I forgot that feeling. You know? yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I am the most cruel to my siblings and my parents. Yeah. It, and it's and at times my partner. It's really interesting because I've also <laughs> recognized that, right? Where part of it, I, I was thinking about this the other day, and, and I think it's tied to the fact that I'm supposed to exist in my most purest self in front of all of these people. I, I, I don't, shouldn't have to sugarcoat anything. This is just me, the blob yeah. that I am, you know, yeah. you're supposed to accept it. And yeah. then I was like, well, why? Who says that? They're, they're, they're people too. They're coming in with all the stuff that you have. Yeah. So I, it's, a, it's an interesting space. I'm thinking of some of the things my parents say to me. It's not so much it's not so much triggering but I know that there are things you know tied to some of the things that I've mentioned before how I'm supposed to be like the problem solver and mm -hmm. my dad will be like you should do this thing and I'm like okay <laughs> like what <laughs> why am I the one go do it like you could do that yeah it it still affects you even yeah. though you know it yes yeah it is a different feeling though when it when it affects you when you're younger and that pain is still there. Mm. When someone says something hurtful to you, it just feels painful. It feels like hurt. Mm -hmm. But as you've healed, I hear a bounce in the way that you're talking about it. You're able to laugh about it now. It doesn't sound like it hurts you no. in the same way as it used to. Not in the same way. I And that's that's with time. You know, when I've been able to recognize why it is that I was put in that position. And now yeah. it, I kind of chalk it off and I'm like, okay, you know, my dad's is like, you could start a nonprofit. No, daddy, you could start a nonprofit. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's like super easy. No, it takes hard work. So in some ways it, it's part of the experience that I have gone through. But I also think about all of this work that has happened it, it, you know, personally and internally since I was a kid, right? And and I never really looked at it and understood how all of those things are tied together. And that's when, I, when you start really understanding the different relationships you had when you were younger, anything from like friendships, which are critical to 
the relationship, like intimate relationships you have now, there it's like mind blowing. Like what? How did you do that? Why did you accept that? No, <laughs> no, child, that's not good. Yeah. You know. I know. Your older self will always look back at your new self and be like, why? Yeah. Why did you make those decisions? And I, it's interesting because as an adult looking back, you know, what I want to tell my younger self and what I w- want to tell my children is it's going to get better, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you think is happening now, but it doesn't come without work, like a cost. So healing does look like being able to not feel so affected by the things that people say because you know in your heart what your truth is. Your dad, you could hear what your dad says and it doesn't affect you, but you've worked. You've done the work and you can look back now at your younger self and we're in a better place, you and I. We're in a better place today than we were three years ago. I think so. And we're in a better place than we were 10 years ago. Totally. So if you're just on here, that's what progress looks like. It does. You know, the one thing I would say, because I'm, I've been talking to a lot of my nieces and nephews that are younger, you know, that are coming at, coming into high school, they're going to graduate and they don't really say it, but I can see the, the faces <laughs> that they have like, yeah, we're going to college. And part of what I've done is just normalize the fact like, it's okay if you like feel weird about it. It's okay to feel excited about it. It's okay to feel blah about it because it's just the yeah. nature of where you are in your development. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, there's always that scary part at first mm-hmm. and kind of exciting. And then the excitement ends and the conflict starts. Yeah. And that's the navigation. Then you learn the conflict. And then I think the healthiest and most magical of relationships are the ones that survive through that. You know, and come out stronger on the other side. Definitely. Yeah. I think the one thing that I would say, and maybe we can build on this in another episode at some point, is when you recognize that you are better at setting limits and boundaries, those are really good, strong indicators that you are setting those limits and boundaries because you know you deserve better. And with that, That's like the building blocks to getting to a healthier relationship with yourself and then with others. Well, thank you all. Yeah, I think that's it. We appreciate you being here and keep on fighting in the open. Bye. 